Easy P Padeeps, and welcome. This um, my first proper video recording in a little while, and uh, it wasn't really an intention, if I'm to be totally honest with you, that I begin doing my videos and stuff again uh, on this particular day that's been labelled, I suppose, World Mental Health Day. But um, apparently, well, I, I happened on Instagram the other day um, when I, I recorded a, 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 a voice recording uh, if you haven't seen it already, I made a bit of a, a video out of it and put it on my Facebook, the entire recording, which was only about 12 minutes long. And then I edited a small piece out of it, which I also put on Instagram. Uh, I will at some point put the whole voice recording on Instagram. But it was when I was on Instagram um, the other day, I think it was yesterday, and I noticed something that popped up that basically mentioned today being World Mental Health Day. So, um, yeah, it was my intention to do a recording today, um, but it just happened to coincide with World Mental Health Day. So, to some extent, I suppose it's kind of apt. And, you know, anybody, obviously, I've got my fan page over on Facebook and my Instagram page. Those of you that do follow me, some of you that might have seen some of my uh, memes and reels on Instagram and so on. And you'll have noticed that obviously I have been absent for a little while. And um, it's not unusual, I suppose, for me to take these little breaks. I do sometimes find social media, social media kind of takes over my life, even though I suppose maybe more so because uh, of my disorganized approach to it. And um, so I, I do often take a little back seat. Uh, maybe it's not always going to be like that. Perhaps this is the catalyst for change, catalyst for change, but whatever, this is what it is right now. So, um, but yeah, my absence, my absence, uh, this time it was kind of fueled by a bit of a realization that for quite some time now i suppose i haven't been walking my own path i haven't been on my path my path and my direction kind of changed and um you know in all fairness it wasn't something that was immediately something that I immediately realized but then I started to um, it's like the light started to shine again uh, and I began to see that that I'd strayed I suppose is one way of looking at it I'd strayed um, so I took a break just so I could kind of try to see what was actually happening, what was happening and, and uh, why I'd started to kind of feel uh, lost to some extent. I mean, don't get me wrong, 
don't get me wrong, I've been feeling lost for <laughs> a long time. <laughs> um, but it's okay. It's okay. Because to me, I think that this is uh, an inevitable truth for me, for me. You know, it's not going to be the same for everybody else. We're all walking our own path. And, and as I see it, we're all trying to we're talk, all trying to, to speak our own truths. Uh, and in the process, a lot of people are struggling and suffering. A lot of people are, are remaining quiet and whatever. So when I do all this, uh, these recordings and stuff, I suppose the intention behind it is is kind of like uh, I'm sharing what I realise for myself. So I'm not trying to put suggestions and ideas into anybody's minds. I'm not trying to make people see things a certain way. If anything, uh, my intention is to help you, I suppose, to see that the chances are how you are looking at life isn't, uh, or rather, has been fueled by sort of outside sources, you know, by uh, society and and media and you know uh, um, your your upbringing and and all of these kind of elements that have contributed to uh, to how you now look at life. And how you now see yourself, ultimately, how you see yourself. So for, I don't know, now maybe 12 years or so, uh, I've been kind of on this vibe of realisation that pretty much the life that I thought I knew, I didn't know. Basically, I didn't know. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, that the reason why there's so much suffering in this world is because people are trying to live a life that they don't actually know. You know, people are trying to... Or, no, I'll rephrase that. People have realised, but not actually realised, that they are or have been trying to live a life that isn't theirs, that's not authentic to them, that, you know, that they, that they were never meant to live. And this is how society kind of sets us up. So in a way, we live in a society that doesn't want us to grow. If anything, it, or rather, it doesn't assist us in growing. If anything, it assists us in uh, um, kind of remaining where we are psychologically. So it's it's almost like we, or rather I would say it is like, although we arrive at being adults, for the majority of people, our minds are stuck in the uh, like a childish mindset or a, a young teenage mindset. And I would probably say that for most people, our mindsets don't develop past teenage years, you know, maybe like 14, 15 years old sort of thing. But we have adult bodies. We walk around as looking like adults, but our mindsets haven't grown. Our mindsets haven't changed. So effectively, we are trying to navigate the world 
through an immature mindset. And I'm not trying to be condescending here or belittling in any way at all. This, when I'm speaking here, I'm speaking on a personal level. I'm speaking what I've realized for myself. So I can't be condescending to anybody else. If I'm condescending to anybody, then I'm also condescending to myself. At the end of the day, though, what I'm trying to share with you is basically what I've seen through my own experience. And, uh, you know, through observation, I kind of see that it's, it appears to be like this for everybody else. So we don't grow. We're not, we're not kind of um, uh, in, in our, our educational structure and our society as a whole. It doesn't, you know, largely assist in our psychological growth. But where our, psycholo our psychology, where society assists in our psychological sort of mindset and, and, and outlook, is it shows us or it gives us a way of looking at life. It kind of gives us a way of looking at life. It doesn't allow us to see things for ourselves. So, you know, as a very basic example, uh, as, as infants, and if you've ever watched any of my films and stuff, my videos, whatever, my recordings, I don't know, I've probably touched on these subjects. As infants, we start with the fundamentals. A is for apple, B is for ball, C is for cat, D is for dog or whatever. We start with these fundamentals and then uh, this kind of progresses. So initially, we are shown an object, and then this object is given a name. Now, it's important to understand that once we have reached this stage of, I call it, object awareness, we have, first of all, have to accept in our uh, infantile sort of innocent minds, we have to accept that we are separate from everything else. So the, the first point of separation is in seeing yourself, but not only seeing yourself as this body kind of thing, but most importantly, believing that you are this body. So once this belief has fully registered in your mind, which happens at a very, very, very young age, it's probably something like, 18 months old or something, that this kind of acknowledgement and belief starts to set in, right? And you see this in infants all the time when they start to grasp after things, mine and stuff and all of this kind of stuff. So this, this is the first point, uh, the first belief that you are separate from everything else. And then we get to this point, A is for apple, B is for ball, C is for cat, D is for dog. Very sort of uh, uh, um, the fundamental basics of learning words. And then this progresses, obviously, the more we, as we sort of grow in our years, uh, the, the, the things that we learn, the words that we learn, they progress. And obviously we start to grasp a greater uh, um, uh, ability to take on information. Uh, so more things come into our view and more things are given labels and to the point where every single thing, every single thing that we can possibly know in this universe has a label. You put this into perspective and you try now to think of something 
that doesn't have a label or doesn't have a name. There is nothing that exists in your mindset, nothing that is in your mind that doesn't have a name. Every single thing, everything has a label. So then we progress from labeling things to uh, uh, categorizing things and grouping things together. So it's like once we've gone beyond the, or we kind of progress from uh, uh, object identification and then we start to label words and we start to label categories and we start to label ideas and beliefs and concepts. And, and so the whole labeling process, it kind of it grows outwardly. It grows outwardly. But, but the, the point to remember is that we are given these words, okay? We are given these words. We don't produce these words ourselves. So... And again, this is what I'm sharing from, this is my observation. I, 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 I steer clear of calling it a belief system. It's an observation. You know, the, 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 I'm going to touch on this a bit later on. But this isn't something that I believe. This is just something that I see. This is something that I've realized. And, and maybe you, you see it yourself. I don't know. But everything's given a label. So we don't give things a label. The labels are given to us as suggestions. And then it's down to us as innocent uh, infants, if you like, whether we believe or we don't believe in these labels. But the chances are we're going to believe them because we don't have the reasonable or rationable mind to question. So we accept it. We accept it as it's, it's sort of given to us and call it good faith, if you like. So we accept all of these labels, these beliefs, these ideas, these concepts, and so on. And this basically structures our belief system. Then what happens as we go through life is we, we, we progress through life and we are continually given suggestions, continually given suggestions, suggestions about our appearance, suggestions about... Uh, religion, suggestions about uh, other concepts, theories, um, uh, and all these different elements of our experiential reality, they are suggested to us in a way that we can't have an experience without somehow grouping it together and giving it a label, boxing it together in some kind of category and giving it a label. This is how we look at life. So to truly see life, to truly see life, and I'm calling it life just as a simplification, just to simplify it, but to truly see life and to truly know life is to be able to see it without the label, to be able to see it without the label, which is, it's, it's not as straightforward as it sounds because every time you look at something, you look at it, through this filter of labels that you've been given. So the moment you look out of the window and you see a tree, the, the filter in your mind has already processed this, this as a tree. This thing, it's a tree already. That's all you are seeing. So you are seeing life through this blanket or the, the, the word that, that seems more kind of apt to me is through this matrix 
this matrix of words, beliefs, concepts, and ideas that we've been given, okay? So we don't truly see life. We don't truly know life. And, and this is how we go through life. So we arrive at this point now, like today, World Mental Health Day. So all of these things I've been questioning for some time, and uh, or rather, I questioned, and I reached this point of seeing, right, okay, um, how is it that we can have something like World Mental Health Day? What does World Mental Health Day actually signify? What does it point to? What is it trying to suggest? And, you know, this is something that I really... Uh, see as being something that we should all question. You know, there isn't a single element about life as I see it that we shouldn't actually question. But uh, the reason why we don't question it is because of fear. And, I, and a lot of people look at fear as, oh, you know, fear of this and fear of that and fear of the other. People have got so many different ideas of what fear is. But the real fear is is ultimately the fear of realization and this fear of, of realization is basically presented it uh, presents itself in this way that true realization is is to see that everything that you think is true or everything that you believe is true isn't actually truth it's and, and, and this is uh, an, another kind of thing that a lot of people probably will find hard to grasp. So I'm going to share a little sort of experience that I had. Uh, uh, and it was about 11 years ago. And um, I used to live in a flat. At the time I was living in a flat, a one bedroom flat. And this was ultimately where my sort of my my journey of revelation started. So while I was in this flat, I'd kind of reached this point of, of seeing that watching TV wasn't for me. I didn't want to watch TV anymore. Uh, I didn't want to follow the media. I needed to have a period that I, I'm going to call right now a blackout period. So I shut myself off. And this really, at this stage, I was quite lost. I was quite lost in my personal sort of life and my personal space, but it wasn't an uncomfortable loss. It was quite a, a um, it was, well, it was uncomfortable in some ways, but there was also a, 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 a kind of a liberation about it. So I was spending a lot of time in contemplation. I wasn't listening to music. I, 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 I'd be going to work and coming home from work. I'd be sitting in silence uh, for long periods of time, just sitting there, just sitting in silence. And I call it like I was in contemplation. You might say I was in meditation, but I, I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't even say I was meditating because my mind was active. But at the same time as it, it was my mind was active, it was like I was questioning things. Uh, and on this particular day, I came home. And um, so I would sit like this for quite a few hours on an evening or whatever. Or sometimes if I wasn't at work, I'd get up in the morning and then I would I'd spend, uh, uh, you know, uh, a few hours in the morning or whatever before I'd start probably working on some music or whatever I was doing at the time. 
But on this particular day, I came home from work and um, there was um, there was a moment. I must have been sat there for I don't know how long. And um, while I was sat there in silence, um, I heard a voice. I heard a voice. Now, you know, this story I, I might have told one or two people, uh, but I heard a voice. And I imagine that I, I tell this story to some people or whatever, and people are going to be quick to say, oh, well, it was this, it was that. I was hearing a voice from wherever and blah, blah, blah. Well, despite what people might say, I'm not going to just accept that this was whatever people have told me is the truth whatever I'm not prepared to accept that yeah okay it's true I'm prepared to accept that that's how they interpret it but how I interpret it in truth is I don't know where <laughs> this voice came from right all I can tell you is in my experience it came to me as if somebody else was in the room right it was like somebody was in the room with me like I heard this voice. It wasn't like a voice I heard in my head. It, it was in the room. But then the other sort of bizarre thing about this, uh, uh, this experience was, it sounded like me. <laughs> it sounded like my own voice. It, it was almost like I was in the room with myself talking. And this voice, and so I heard this voice. Uh, and, um, you know, I say it sounded like me. It sounded like me as I hear myself now when I'm speaking. So how I'm speaking now, this is what this voice sounded like. But it sounded like it was somebody else in the room, okay? Uh, I hope you get the gist of this. So anyway, I heard this voice. And all it said was, 16-9. 16-9. That was all. Uh, so obviously, I'm like, well, who said that? Who said that? And then, obviously, the realisation, oh, it sounded like me. It wasn't a thought. And then I'm sort of, you know, how I'm talking now, but I was saying this in my head. It wasn't a thought because it didn't sound like this. <laughs> obviously, I'm speaking about my thoughts now and how I can hear my thoughts. didn't sound like this. So it wasn't a thought. It sounded like somebody was in the room. There's nobody in the room. Who said that? Who said that? But then within a few seconds, maybe, I don't know, a couple of minutes after the initial sort of surprise element of, kind of frittered away uh, another thought came to me what does it mean what does 16.9 mean something or whatever was trying to communicate there was, there was something trying to get something across to me was it me trying to communicate with me or what I don't know it was just surreal in my experience at that time so anyway what does it mean? What does 16.9 mean? Uh, and then it was almost like the first thing that came to my head, a, a Bible chapter and verse. So uh, 16.9, if I'm hearing this wherever it came from, and it's as random as 16.9, then it's probably related to something that I can relate to. Uh, and... The, 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 almost like the first thing that I thought about was the Bible, 16.9. So I went and got a Bible. Oh, I can't remember if I bought a Bible or I, 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 
I just got online and I started scanning through a Bible. And uh, and I'm going through all the chapters, all the stories through the Bible, right from the Old Testament. Uh, and I'm looking at chapter 16, verse 9, in all of these different stories. And, um, you know, 16, 9, blah, blah, blah. No resonation there. I'm not feeling that. Flip to the next book. 16, no, no, that doesn't mean anything. And I just went through this process until I came to the New Testament, John chapter 16, verse 9, Gospel of St. John. And in this Gospel of St. John, you can look it up for yourself. Chapter 16, verse 9, it simply says about sin, for they do not believe in me. Words to that effect. That's what it says. So obviously, I've never read the Bible. I've read snippets, bits and pieces, but I've never read the Bible in its entirety. But I'd already started to see things in a different way by this stage, which was why I was spending so much time on my own in contemplation and stuff. But anyway, so this 16.9, about sin, for they do not believe in me. And then, so subsequently, I read... It was the that's what resonated. I went through the rest of the story, the chapters and stuff, the gospels or whatever the stories in the Bible, but that was the one that seemed to have, you know, it seemed to resonate. So then I read the whole gospel, so I could get some context, and um, basically, uh, in a nutshell, this point where Jesus says this about sin, for they do not believe in me. This is the Last Supper. And he's speaking to his disciples and stuff like this. So this is prior to, obviously, he gets, uh, is it, I suppose you could say he gets arrested or whatever. And um, he, um, basically, he's speaking to his disciples. So when he says about sin, for they do not believe in me, what he's actually saying is, um, or, or rather, how it would be, or how I imagine it would usually be interpreted, is if you don't believe in Jesus, that's the sin. The sin is not to believe in Jesus. However, when I read this and I read through the gospel and stuff to get context, I kind of realized or, or reached my own kind of understanding of what Jesus was trying to say. And what he was trying to say wasn't that it's a sin not to believe in him. He was trying to say, uh, and this is my interpretation, by the way, I'm not telling you this because I want you to believe me. I would rather you listen if you're listening, but you go off and you contemplate this. You, you know, arrive at your own understanding, arrive at your own understanding. This is important. It's important that we arrive at our own understanding of life because the reason why so many people struggle in life is because they haven't arrived at their own understanding. And I think that is paramount. We have to understand this. We are trying to exist on somebody else's understanding, which to some extent might be comfortable, but it's not real. It's not true to you. So this is what it said about sin. For they do not believe in me. My interpretation is is basically, belief is the sin. 
But then when we look at this word sin, because of how we've been educated, sin is a punishable offence, if you like. God punishes the sinner. But this isn't what Jesus was trying to say. In a way, and, and again, I'm speaking about Jesus, I'm speaking about the Bible. I know there's a lot of people who've probably already switched off now the moment I mentioned the Bible or Jesus. People, oh, here we go, Bible bashing, click. Because this is the, the program that your mind is running. You aren't prepared to go beyond this just to try to see where I'm going with this. So for anybody that's sticking it out, fair play to you. But still, don't just believe what I'm saying, okay? So anyway, Jesus is trying to say that the sin is belief. It's not not to believe, because in reality, if you believe or you disbelieve, it's like having a coin and you believe in heads, but you don't believe in tails. But it's still the same coin. So in reality, if you take the whole structure of belief and disbelief, we use this in our court systems. Somebody's being tried in court for a crime or whatever. Whether they committed the crime or not is besides the point. You have a jury of 12 people or whatever it is. And this jury has to listen to the defendant or his story, if you like, and decide whether or not this defendant is guilty or not guilty. So the, their decision is based on a belief. It's based on a belief. It's not based on knowledge. It's not based on knowing. They don't know. They have no idea. They only have information. And from this information that they're given, they decide whether they believe him or her or not. And if they believe that person, this is their judgment. So it's like saying, yes, I judge your story as being true. I believe you. Or I judge your story as being not true. I don't believe you. So in my interpretation of the whole thing, belief is a judgment. Belief is a judgment. And when Jesus says about sin, for they do not believe in me, what he is actually trying to say is belief is the sin. He doesn't want you to believe in him. And okay, you read the story and the Bible and it goes to me, the bits that I have read, it, it sort of, it's, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. It contradicts itself here with this bit and it contradicts itself there with that bit. But there are some parts to me that kind of point your awareness and your attention in a completely different direction. And these are the bits that I see you have to kind of root out. So it's almost like reading between the lines. And, you know, you could come up with the argument that I've just read something and made it sound like how I want it to sound to suit myself. But then... My argument to that, if you can call it an argument, would be this. If somebody says something to you that is trying to show you that the truth about life as a whole is within you, is within you, and you only have to look within yourself to find it, is that a lie? If it's a lie, how do you know it's a lie? This is the question that we really have to understand. Is it if you are being told by somebody that the truth is within you and it, you only have to look within yourself to find it, how do you know that you are being lied to? How can you tell? How do you know? Again, something that we all should question. So 
we, um, our whole life is built and formed and shaped around a belief system. Now, the reality is, when you look at your beliefs, when you say, oh, this is my belief, I believe this, I believe that, what you are actually saying is, you have gathered information. You've taken information from somewhere or somebody, a book or the internet, or YouTube or something. You've gathered information from somewhere. And from this information, you've, you've made this decision. And this decision is based on how you feel about it. It's based on your feeling. It's not based on anything else. And your feeling is, do I feel comfortable with this? If I feel comfortable with it, then it gets my belief. If I don't feel comfortable with it, then I don't believe it. I'm going to reject it. So then what uh, What a lot of people tend to do, and, and again, like I say, this is self-observation here that I'm sharing with you. This is how we are. This is how we've been taught to be. So uh, you find something out. Somebody might tell you something or whatever, and it's like, oh, yeah, that sounds plausible. I accept that. I believe it. And this is also why I said earlier, about when I heard this voice that sounded like me. Uh, this is why I say it. It's because I know that a lot of people can tell me a lot of different things about what I heard. But then the only reason why people can tell me this is because they are sharing information that they've been given. So they might have gone to somebody else and somebody else has said, oh yeah, that's such and such. So now to that person, oh well, that's what it is. So now if I say what my experience was, somebody else is going to come to me and say, oh well, that's such and such. So we have this process of wanting to, to um, uh, stay away from being labelled at the same time <laughs> as labelling ourselves, right? It's, it's really paradoxical, it's bizarre, right? Uh, this is what we do. So, um, but what happens, so this is the process. We, um, we kind of fall into this, this kind of, this box. We fall into this box. And in this box, it's like, right, well, I don't know. The, the initial uh, 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 experience, uh, as it was, you know, again, for me, uh, an, an awakening experience. So it's almost like you have an epiphany, maybe a, a glimmer of light that shines down on your path and you begin to see things as they are. But then the the educated mind, which I'm going to refer to as the ego, the ego mind, right? The educated mind, the human mind clicks in, right? And until we have uh, 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 um, kind of taken steps to understand the educated mind, the educated mind is, is going to pretty much dominate your life experience. So you have this glimmer of light that shines down on your path and then automatically you start to see things as they are, which kind of brings about a confusion now because what you are starting to see contradicts everything that you've been told. So now, because you have this educated mind, you immediately jump for this idea that you have to try to fit what you have just realized into a box. You've got to kind of box it up. You've got to package it to make it something that you are comfortable with. And this is what we do. Uh, so subsequently, that glimmer of light that you experienced has now been faded by um, the fact that you have chosen to stick all of this into a box uh, and uh, label it to make yourself feel comfortable. So this 
in a nutshell is why I went quiet because I started to realize that actually my initial realization had kind of been shelved for this idea uh, that wasn't truly mine. Now, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, you could go to somebody else who's had similar experiences, blah, blah, blah. But then at the end of the day, you go to somebody that's had similar experiences. And what you are doing is you're going to somebody who's had similar experiences, who's been to, at some point, who has been to somebody that had similar experiences, who, at some point, has been to somebody who had similar experiences. This is the process we'll follow through life. We follow this process. So we're always rooting out somebody that's had similar experiences that can, that can show us how we should treat this experience. When in reality, we should go into the experience without having to go and ask somebody else. Because sooner or later, you keep going. You go to somebody who's had similar experiences. That person went to somebody who had similar experiences and blah, 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 blah. And eventually, you're going to, you look at this as a timeline. You're going to come to somebody who was the first person to have had this experience. And this first person who had this experience would have had the experience and thought, oh my God, that was such and such. And that's it. They made their mind up on what it was. And from them making their minds up, they have subsequently made everybody else's minds up that follow in that line of realisation. So you, we reach a point where you are not actually understanding your own experience or, or receiving it for what it is. You might have received it initially for what it was, but then no sooner had you, re you received it, you have decided to categorize it, box it, label it, conceptualize it, blah, 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 and turn it into something else that brings comfort to the educated mind. So this is why I went quiet, because uh, uh, everything kind of seemed to be upside down. And uh, if I'm totally honest with you, it still doesn't seem to be the right way around. But it don't matter. Maybe it's not supposed to be. Maybe it's not supposed to be. Um, but the gist uh, of, of this whole dialogue is it's like, um, you know, OK, so we're talking about uh, I started off speaking about World Mental Health Day and. Um, you know, when you look at mental health, uh, it's almost like, or not almost like, it is like we have accepted this idea. And um, this idea, you're going to have to excuse me because uh, this isn't an advertisement. This is my, my breakfast and this is my, my bullet flask. And in this flask every day, I put my breakfast smoothie. And okay, I know it's not exactly breakfast time here in the UK. It's 12.30 as I'm recording this. That's what time it is now. But in this, I put my, my breakfast and I drink it over a duration of the morning. Uh, so in my breakfast, I have uh, my breakfast shake. There is, uh, I put one vitamin B12 tablet or pill if you like. And um, I have oats, porridge oats. I have cashew nuts. I have um, chia seeds. 
uh, flax seeds and uh, a pea protein, a teaspoon of pea protein powder. I have um, a dollop of honey, uh, turmeric, cinnamon and ginger, standard. And um, I think that's about it. Oh, and then I put a banana in, I put uh, spinach, uh, celery, and sometimes I put blueberries, but I didn't have any blueberries. Uh, and I don't know if I'll be able to show you this, but it's it kind of makes this funny green colored. It's quite tasty. I put the honey in just to give it a bit of taste. Uh, but you don't need to put honey in, that's just my personal preference. But anyway, this World Mental Health Day that we have, this is another thing that I, I regard as it being necessary for us to question. The problem is, we don't question... We don't question because we are afraid of our own minds. Ultimately, this is where we are. As this is where humanity has reached. We are afraid of our, We're afraid of two things. Ultimately, we're afraid of our minds and we are afraid of our bodies. Or rather, our bodies giving up on us. But the reality is, we have already, to a large extent, given up on our bodies... And given up on our minds, right? We've given up already. And it's almost like we've given up and now we're afraid of what we might, what's going to happen as a result of us giving up. And how, how can I say that we've given up on, on our bodies? Well, basically, because you look at the shit that we put into our bodies on a day-to-day -day basis. You look at the things that we do with our bodies on a day-to-day -day basis. This is a reflection of the fact that we've given up on them. We have no, to a large extent have no true respect and appreciation of our bodies with the amount of crap that we put into them and the amount of torture that we put our bodies through unnecessarily. Almost like we think that our bodies are going to be bulletproof, but it's, it, it kind of reflects the fact that we've given up on our bodies. Uh, and our minds, we are fearful of our minds. You know, if, if you have a dream or a, a nightmare, you wake up sweating, and you, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people have this experience. I've had it. You wake up sweating, and you're afraid to go back to sleep because you've had this dream. But it's just a dream. It's some bullshit going on in your head when you were asleep. But the reason why, or one of the reasons why we've become fearful, is because of the way we've been educated. We've been taught to see life in such a black and white way that we can't see color. If we see color. We become fearful. It's because we don't know colour. So it's like, um, so this is what I'm saying. We have to learn to question. So when you look at, at, at World Mental Health Day, what does this imply? What is it trying to show us? What is it trying to teach us? Excuse me. What is it trying to teach us about who we are, about our minds and, and how we interpret our minds? And basically, uh, what it's showing us at the end of the day is we have very little understanding. How can we have an understanding um, when we have reached this point where 
we have such things as World Mental Health Day. Uh, and, you know, I know a lot of people that, that struggle and a lot of people that suffer with their minds. And, you know, my intention here isn't to make anybody feel bad about what they are experiencing. If anything, I, I would rather have people start to really not be afraid of their minds. Your mind's going to do all kinds of stuff. And, and it's going to do all kinds of stuff because that's what it's supposed to do. What you're supposed to do, what we have to do, we have to do, what we have to do is, number one, not be afraid of what the mind's doing. And number two, we have to see if there is a way that we can uh, uh, um, exist without the mind being a problem to us. And personally, I can see that we can. I can see that this is our human potential. I can see this, but uh, for a lot of people, it's it's a, a difficult idea or concept, if you like, to grasp. And this is why I speak strongly about meditation, because meditation at the end of the day is um, it's a, a, a means to 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 kind of confront that that fear of your mind. You know, if you if you can um, if you can bring yourself to the point where you can comfortably sit down in silence without any distractions, no TV, no radio, no music or anything playing at all. If you can sit down without a book, without any external kind of uh, influence at all, right? No newspapers, no nothing. You put your phone down or whatever, put everything down. If you can just sit on your own in silence for even five minutes, just paying attention to what's going on in your mind, if you can bring yourself to that point, then you have made a massive step in freeing yourself from your mind. You have made a massive step because you have begun to, or begun, which one, whichever one it is, to confront that fear. Most people can't do this. Most people can't do this. And I, again, this was my experience going back um, over 10, 12 years or whatever before I started first my first meditations. When I first started meditating, a minute of sitting in silence was torturous. It was absolutely torturous. And I've said before that... Um, you know, at one point in my life, I couldn't even go to sleep at night without having a TV playing really quietly. It's got to be really quietly, otherwise it's too distracting. It's got to be just enough that my I've got, it gives me something to focus on. My mind can focus on something, so I can't really hear what it's saying or what it's doing, but it's something that's drawing my attention. Uh, and if my attention's being drawn by something externally, then... Uh, I'm not being tormented by all the bullshit that's bouncing around in my mind. And that, you know, now I look back on it, that is the most bizarre thing that a person can have to do, is use external things to distract them from their own internal reality. That's, you know, that's not a very nice place and not a very comfortable place to be. But I know a lot of people have to do this. A lot of people can relate. I know this. So... To be able to sit 
for even one minute. You, you know, let's face facts. Let's put it into, uh, into perspective. If you've never meditated before, then start off simple. Start off by doing it for 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Build yourself up to a minute. Then two minutes. Then keep going up in incremental steps until you reach five minutes. And then maybe up to 10 minutes. Then up to 20 minutes. So I try to meditate for at least 20 minutes a, a, a day if I can. But at least 20 minutes at a time whenever I sit in... Um, uh, you know, to bring myself into meditation. Uh, and I, I stress that, to bring myself into meditation. If, uh, you know, I, and I elaborate that on my on the, the video that I shared the other day. But meditation isn't something that you do. It's something that you become. Something that you become. So, to be able to sit um, in your own space and to not be tormented by your mind. If you get frightened and disturbed by your dreams and nightmares, meditation is going to be a very hard thing for you to do. So if you do have a lot of nightmares and dreams and you can arrive at the point where they don't make you frightened, okay, you might jump up out of your nightmare or whatever, but then if you can jump up and say, oh, bloody hell, nightmare got me that time <laughs> and just roll back over and go to sleep, then you're onto something. A lot of people have nightmares, jump up, blah, blah, blah. And they're afraid to go back to sleep. And but that's it's bizarre. It's crazy that 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 we can be that way, that we can be afraid to go back to sleep because of something that happened in our own minds. But then something else that I've noticed. And it's um, a lot of people that struggle in some way with things like anxiety and so on uh, tend to like horror films and drama situations and and things like this kind of, of this kind of nature there's almost like a link a connection between the two and when you when you put again put this into perspective the um, the 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 fact that you like horror and drama and all of these kind of things is reflected in the fact that you have dreams and nightmares and you are anxious and, and you are struggling uh, in, in other ways. There's, there's a link there, as I see it. There's a link, there's a connection between the two. So uh, this is something, again, don't just believe me, question it for yourself. If you are one of these people, if this is your experience, question it for yourself. See if you can see that link, see if you can establish where this link is. But in, in a nutshell, when you have a nightmare uh, or a dream, a very dramatic and intense dream, then it's, there is no difference between your dreams and what you see on the TV screen when you're watching a horror film or when you're watching some kind of intense drama or whatever. There's no difference between the two. The, these are... Uh, they, they, they are very much linked. And the reason why I'm saying this is because we have uh, reached this point where we believe ourselves to be the characters playing the part in our dreams. Okay? We are the characters playing the parts in our dreams. And because we believe we are these characters, um, we have a like emotional investment in these characters. And this means that 
whatever the character in the dream experiences, because we have this emotional connection, we experience that as an emotional feeling. We experience the emotional turmoil and the anguish. So if you have a nightmare in your dream, you see yourself in this nightmare going through this experience, because you believe that this is you in your dream or in your nightmare, the emotional connection is there. When you watch a horror film or some intense drama on TV and you start blubbering in tears or whatever, or you jump out your skin because Freddy's just popped up out of the water bed or whatever, um, you have made an emotional connection between yourself and the character on the screen. And this is why you jump out of your skin. This is why you start blubbering and stuff, because there's an emotional connection. So in a nutshell, we have given up the, the, the control of our emotions to uh, some kind of belief and idea, uh, whether it be on the TV screen or whether it be in our own dreams and nightmares. These are the sort of things that I regard as being necessary for us to go deeper in to understand. And the same, uh, as I said before, about things like mental health. So we, we have this idea about mental health awareness and stuff. But what is it that we're actually becoming aware of? What is it that we're actually becoming aware of? You know, on, uh, on the surface, what, what we're actually becoming aware of is the fact that so many percentage of people suffer with mental health, health issues. But in reality, what we need to be becoming aware of is the root cause of these mental health issues, instead of us just being able to say so many people suffer with mental health issues, can we not look at this situation and say, how is it that we have a mental health issue? So it's like the faculty for, for, um, for realising that we have an issue is the mind, but then the issue is also in the mind. So what's happening is the mind is becoming aware that it's an issue. Itself is an issue. But the mind doesn't have this kind of awareness. So you can only be aware of the mind being an issue if you believe that the mind can be an issue. So first you have to have a belief that the mind can be an issue. Then you have to kind of look at your own mind, which is basically your mind looking at itself. And you look at your own mind and you think, right, well, this is how I'm seeing things. So I've obviously got an issue. But it's like the whole paradox is that it's just the mind interpreting the mind. So... My sort of approach to all of this is to raise awareness to the point of seeing this. So you see this for yourself, that actually you can uh, have a kind of an overview of this whole situation and see that actually the mind can only have a problem with itself if it contains the belief that it itself can be a problem. Once you kind of get rid of that belief, that idea and that concept, then you arrive at this point of seeing how it is that we've arrived at that point and also seeing what it is that you actually believe is the problem. And when you can see it from this standpoint, you are in a place to be able to do something about it, whatever that may be, that's entirely up to you. So this World Mental Health Day should serve more than just us being able to sit back and say, well, one in so many people suffer with mental health issues, blah, blah, blah. Um, so many people have 
uh, as I read in the uh, newspaper headline the other day, so many people have become diagnosed with mental health issues since we had the pandemic and so on and so forth. Well, it's it's kind of understandable. It's kind of understandable and there's an, an inevitable reality that because as a species, a human species, we become so dependent on external circumstances and conditions giving us the liberation from the mental bullshit, the mental chaos and the mental drama. We need distractions. And once we've had these distractions taken away for even a brief period of time, problems are going to start setting in that we can't do anything about or we, we, we don't believe we can do anything about. So this is why I speak a lot about meditation. This is why I speak a lot about the power of being able to sit down and not be afraid of your own mind. So, um, yes, that's it for me. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to sign out now and um, I will. Uh, you will see another uh, audio or video recording at some point. Uh, and until then, peace.